Welcome to Degrees of Freedom, a podcast brought to you by Engineers Without Borders Bristol. We are Ellie. That's you. And Albie. That's me. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Degrees of Freedom. We're here this week with Jay from a very cool business called Fabrio and we're very excited to speak to him. But before we get going, let's just have a quick reminder of who we are, Ellie. Who are we? I'm Ellie. Who are you? Albie. Maybe more than just a name. We'll give them more. For example. We are two fourth year engineering design students at the University of Bristol and we are starting a new podcast. And who's coming on that podcast? Who what kind is of people? Um, interesting people, more interesting than us, and ones who love a chit-chat. But most importantly, engineers who are doing weird and wonderful and cool things. Engineers who don't necessarily have an engineering degree, but are working in an engineering background. Or, or on the flip side, people who do have an engineering degree, but aren't necessarily doing typical engineering jobs. That sounds very exciting. And obviously everyone who listened to the intro podcast knows all that. But they do. It's very possible that people didn't. If people want to listen to another podcast after this, after this... Yeah, not, no, don't turn us off yet, please. Not instead of this, where might they go? Well, Albie, good question. They might find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or the famous Anchor. Now, when you get there and you find the Ingenious Podcast, you'll see that there's another cool podcast series on there. So Ingenious Podcast are running a series with your lecturers. So you'll be able to see podcasts with lecturers from the University of Bristol. Very exciting. Very. Back to us. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Last week, the intro podcast, how, how do you think it went? I think the key question is, how do you think it went, Albie? I wrote down some key notes, um, partly thanks to our lovely producer, Ashik, who was very helpful in his feedback. He said... He's worked with professionals and then he's worked with us. <laughs> he said, speak into the microphone. Um, School book, really. Which I'm really working on, yeah. Don't rustle paper in front of the microphone. Again, that's fine. We also got told um, to not talk over each other. Which, which we've continued to do. <laughs> it's actually really difficult. It's really difficult. Um, um, also, we'll leave it for you to guess which one of us gets turned down and which one of us gets turned up. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. Um, so we're in lovely... Am I allowed to say where we are? Um, South Birmingham. <laughs> we're in a lovely part of the Midlands, south of Birmingham. How did we get here today? Literally, not metaphorically the car the car we had the m5 north we picked up some milk on the way peak and trough of the week the weekly feature what's the best bit of your week ellie being here doing our first ever podcast okay mine's not that no me neither (laughs) ask me back (laughs) what's your highlight of the week albie well i'm glad you asked i am doing the well-known movement known as no smartphone november um so in a radical move i've ditched my smartphone for the month and um, exploring... And is uncontactable. Uncontactable. Exploring life with a Nokia 3310 with 4G capability. Um, any troughs this week? Any low points? I think it must be multi-factor, multi-factor <laughs> oh authentication <laughs> without a, real, a smartphone. It's a really tricky one, that one. Um, had some real nice comments from friends about the idea of us doing a podcast. So we're very excited to get going, which we probably should because... Poor Jay's here waiting. And he didn't even get to hear about my flat tyre. <laughs> exactly. So, Jay, really exciting guy. Um, 
we're very excited for you all to meet him. He, in his final year of uni, set up a business, as you do, um, out of the experience of not kind of, not quite enjoying how he was taught CAD at uni. Um, and he'll tell, tell you more about that later. But um, I think he's going to be a really interesting person to listen to, really inspirational, um, someone that's only 23 to have founded something that's used in schools around the world, has funding, has partnerships with big companies. And how cool is this? His full-time job is now working for himself. Very cool. I mean, he's come here today in his Fabio t-shirt and I can only strive for that. <laughs> it's really exciting. He's also very kindly driven a whole hour to said location he has. in the South Midlands. We did make him a coffee. We did make him a coffee. Um, we're very grateful to have him on. We are. Let's get cracking. Let's go. Jay, welcome. Hey. Thanks for coming to Ellie's lovely kitchen. Yeah, in hey. my living room. Oh no, in my kitchen, sorry. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, we're going to dive straight in with our favourite quick questions. I'd say we do these every week, but obviously you've taken the plunge. You've been our first guest. <laughs> you're in week one of the quick fire questions. <laughs> Which we are forever grateful for, Ellie, far away. Number one, what is your most controversial sandwich filling? Tuna and bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, what was the first job you ever did to make money? I worked in a carpet store and I rolled carpets and I got paid £30 for an entire day. Oh, oh, different times. <laughs> Ketchup or mayo? Mayo. What's the biggest animal you could be in a fight? Oh, um, an elephant. <laughs> big, big talk. Um, what's your go-to meal to cook? Korean fried chicken. Nice. Um... Worst piece of advice you've ever been given, or if you can't think of one, best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, probably best piece of advice is don't take my advice. <laughs> and my favourite question, deal or no deal? Deal. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> right, so got through them. Um, who are you? What is Fabio? Why are you here? I've thrown you under the bus there with a nice broad <laughs> question. Let's start with Fabio. Tell us about it and where did the idea come from? Cool. So Fabio started when I finished university. And essentially what we do is we teach people how to do CAD. So for those who don't know, CAD is computer-aided design. And it's basically like engineering drawings. You can model anything, model anything from like a simple water bottle to a complete engine, right? And CAD's used in engineering and architecture across the world. Um, what Fabrio does is we teach it through an online platform in a way that makes it easy for the students to learn through online um, feedback and basically giving the students the power they need to learn it without having to sit in a big classroom learning it with their Students by, by either side of them, not knowing where they've gone wrong by following an old PDF document that's been given to them, like, which is 20 years old. So you sound there like you're talking from experience. Where did the idea come from? Yeah, so I actually studied aerospace engineering at university. I went to University of Manchester, graduated about a year ago. Um, Fabrio sprung out of the fact that when I was at university, I found it really difficult to learn engineering. Um, and some of the concepts. So with Fabio, I kind of just niched down on one which I knew I could solve and went from there. Fantastic. How did you um, 
go from, because this is what I'm always interested in. I think we're at uni, we see lots of potential ideas we could have. Um, but the step from going from idea to, right, I'm actually going to give this a go. When did that happen for you? And how did you, how did you make that step? Yeah, so whilst I was at university, I kind of realised early on that I didn't want to go into engineering the traditional sense. I didn't like the idea of doing this whole degree, coming out of it, and then going to work for a really big company and sit for the rest of my life and design like a single part on a massive plane, for example. Yeah. Um, so during university, I tried different business ideas and I was trying different things. They, so, what did you try? This is what we want to know, yeah. <laughs> So probably my highlight one and the one which managed to work, there was many, but the one, the highlight one. And so I made these golf ball markers. Yeah. And essentially what a golf ball marker is, you take your, like people who golf and bear in mind, I've never played golf in my life. <laughs> and I'm, I've been to top golf and I'm absolutely terrible, <laughs> but I can't hit, I've got no hand-eye coordination, but you take this golf ball and you put a piece of plastic on top. Essentially, you draw a shape and you draw lines on top of it um, to align it with your golf club. So what I did was I started 3D printing these and I started like uh, resin 3D printing these, which is like just a really like detailed method. But this printer cost me 200 quid. These golf ball markers cost me about 20 pence to make. And I was selling them for a tenner to 12 quid each. Because nice. um, I found someone else doing it on eBay. I copied the idea basically. But anyways, that made me uh, quite a bit of money that helped me. And I kind of like expanded from just lines to start including very graphic, like swear words or, or pictures. And yeah. tell you what, a lot of golf dudes love them. We're loving them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people on the golf course give, giving these swear words to their friends on the golf hall. Oh, nice. Also pick a sport where there's a bit of money around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it tells it's not exactly. a bad idea. So at what point did you decide that you weren't going to go into the golf ball market? <laughs> <laughs> um, interestingly, actually, China started injection molding them. Oh. And they took you out of business. They, t- they, t- t- they copied me as well. So I guess, I, guess I, I guess what goes around comes around, right? Um, so yeah, they started injection molding them and it, they got, at that point, it just wasn't worth it um, for me to continue. So... With Fabio, if we're, what I wanted to ask is if we were 14, 15 year old students who've never done CAD before, what is our experience with Fabio? What do we see? So, yeah. So with Fabio, you would be at a school uh, at that age. Mm -hmm. We were. Um, That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Cool. Good. So you'd be at school um, and you'd, We'd probably speaking. You spoken to your teacher beforehand. Okay. Um, kids would be sitting in a lesson. They log on to Fabrio, and they have the software we're teaching, so Fusion three hundred and sixty, on open on the side. They would either pick a course, or a course would be assigned to them by a teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they've clicked onto the course, it'd be a fidget spinner, water bottle, or something more complex like a piston um, for an engine. Just depends on the level of the student. Mm-hmm. Um, They'll click, they'll have it open in their browser, they'll click through the steps, and they'll do follow the steps and do it in Fusion 360. And, yeah, so that, that, that's what the, the process would be. But yeah. 
there's more going into the feedback, but I'm, we'll go into that. So in terms of where Fabrio is aimed at, obviously yeah. we're aiming at students in schools. Yeah. Um, I remember I first time I did CAD, I was learning it in university. Um, explain to me the choice between where you're aiming at and when you think students should start learning this. So in, the reason we targeted schools first is because the students are easier to speak to than university students. They have more time that they can play around with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... With the teachers at university, they're very more open to try new ideas. Sorry, with teachers at schools, they're very much open to try new ideas. Whereas universities, you find... The reason I didn't like my degree as much is because you find like the professors are just there to teach because they want to do their research. Yeah. So they don't actually focus on the education side of it, which I think what, what lacks. Um, so what's the difference between how Fabio teaches CAD and, say, how us three would have learned CAD? Yeah, so... At university or at school, typically how it tends to happen is a teacher would give each student a PDF document or like a YouTube tutorial they go and follow, which is great and all, but when the students are sitting through this PDF document and looking at this really dynamic CAD package and they go wrong, they don't know where they've gone wrong because there's no feedback or yeah. same in the YouTube video, they've got to click, stop, start, click go back on the YouTube video and they've got no feedback on if they're doing something right or wrong. Yeah. So what we tried with Fabrio and the difference is we essentially coded up um, a plugin that goes into the software that checks and provides feedback. So as the students are going through the steps, they're actually saying, yeah, you've done this right or, yeah, or no, you've done this wrong. But what that means as well is so you've got this big class of students, instead of them all getting lost and sticking their hands up and asking the teacher, they're able to relearn and figure out mistakes on their own. And I find you learn the most when you're making mistakes because yep. you try and fix them um, instead of being scared and, and basically putting your hand up and, and asking the teacher. And half the times the teachers don't know the answer anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's really evident here that like the software you're providing is really helping to teach different level students within a classroom more effectively and allowing them to kind of learn from their mistakes which ties us in really well to the sustainable development goal that we're looking at this week which is quality education for all so what we really wanted to ask you is it's really clear that Fabrio has opened up doors in terms of providing quality education and we wanted to know how this positive societal impact whether it's kind of by chance or whether you've consciously looked into it um talk to us about that um yeah, the, the idea behind Fabio is to make education for engineering easier to learn because, as, as I mentioned, I, I found it really difficult. Um, one of the things that we're focused on is to make it accessible mm-hmm. as well. So a big thing for me is to provide it for people who can't afford it. Yeah. So one of the things we were doing last year, and we're, we're looking at a different model that's better for the schools, um, is if a school has a free school meal, uh, so every school in the UK is entire... Uh, Children um, are entitled to have free school meals if their household income falls below a certain budget. Schools have a percentage of their kids on free school meals. So what we did at Fabrio, we looked at, right, if your percentage falls under this amount, then we give you a discount or we'll we'll reduce the price. Um, Another thing we're doing to make that education and and try and meet those sustainable goals is we're looking at targeting schools in Africa um, to give it Fabrio completely free. Mm And the idea is the students in Africa who don't get the same level of access of education as we do, and we're very fortunate in the UK, is to give them industry-level training. So in the future, say Fabrio is a few years old and we've got more foots in the door with uh, industry and education, 
the idea is if an industry person wants to have a look and like, okay, I need to employ my next CAD engineer, where's their skills? But what we can say is, okay, cool. We've got 20 students from the school in Africa who have got accreditation with Fabrio because we know they've gone through this industrial training yeah. Yeah. and provide that training for the kids for free in Africa because they can't, they can't get it anywhere else. And that's one of the things we're trying to do to make it more accessible. Oh, that's really exciting. So you're, you're creating this tool that's completely almost, would you say, like decentralized, distributed, doesn't require any teacher to have any great knowledge about exactly. Because you must go into schools. And I can't imagine there's many secondary schools, let alone primary schools, where you've got enthusiastic CAD designers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, you must have conversations with people where you're really starting from what is CAD. Exactly. And that's the great thing. Fabrio can teach non-specialist um, teachers how to use it. And if non-specialist teachers don't even have time to learn it, then they just need to set their kids off on it mm-hmm. and, and it will be there to aid everything. I think that um, the learning by failing bit is really interesting as well. Um, I did a job where I was teaching people how to deliver milk and it was through a distributed network and you can't teach people like it's not a science you just have to give people questions oh I got it right I'll do that again or or I got it wrong and the more you think about learning I think as you go into coding CAD potentially higher up like through university it's much more about trial and error and learning by failing yeah, definitely learning how to troubleshoot. And it's a way more satisfying, I find it, way more satisfying process of learning. You said it, right? Coding. So I, I know how to code and I learned how to code by myself. Yeah. But the way I learned how to code was through making mistakes all the time. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that educators are scared of students doing. But at university, I don't know if when you, with engineering, you sit down in engineering, they're like, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. Yeah. They don't let you make mistakes often in, in like the theory, in a theory based, um, yeah. in the learning. And I think that's really important um, that kids do, because as you said, now's the time to make some mistakes, right? It's a great skill to teach kids as well, right? Get, get something wrong. Yeah. This, I, this is something I think I need. I remember doing CAD and just not enjoying it because I'd just get stuck and just not know what to do. Yeah. Like, I'd see everyone doing really well and I'd just be like, I don't know what to do. Mm. Um, but having that kind of feedback loop that kind of helps you make those mistakes and then learn from them sounds exactly what I needed. So I <laughs> <laughs> wish I had it when I was 14. Ago. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing we want to do is for you to take us back to Jay at university. When was the first time you thought, I've got this idea. I've I've mastered the golf marker world. I <laughs> do not need my golf anymore. I've done everything there is to do in golf. Um, my next thing is CAD. Where did you go from that idea? So it actually didn't start with CAD. Uh, Fabro started as three three guys who essentially we worked on a project in the past. Um, and we, and we got together. So that project in the past was called National 3D Printing Society. And essentially what we did during COVID times, we set up a national network of 3D printing hobbyists um, across the UK. And within a space of six months, we delivered, we raised about £20,000 and we delivered 40,000 face shields to Africa. Um, we got it CE approved in the end and we worked with like big companies like RS Components and Igos. Right. And Amazing. DPD gave us some free deliveries as well. And essentially, we collected all these face shields from across the country. Um, and there was a team of six leading that. And so 
I was a director with, with one of my other partners at the time and then met one of my co-founders, Annie, through, through that as well. Yeah. Was that a student society? No, it was, it was called the National Three Print Society, but it wasn't a student um, society. It was just something that we, we'd, my previous partner had started and, he's, yeah. and when it came around to the pandemic, we were like, we could do something here. Like people are printing these vase masks. Um, so you found this network of people with 3D printers at home, right? So we, yeah, we got about 2,000 volunteers, 2,500 wow. uh, wow. volunteers on board within the first like month. But so the first day, I still remember, I had a, I had a, a friend of mine at university who was like, he came to me and said, because I, I had 3D printers at university, I was a proper nerd. <laughs> I, we'll go into that. Yeah. At, at, my, at my house um, my, for my last two years, I had the smallest bedroom. But I had an office downstairs, okay. which was a 3D printing room. Full of 3D printers. <laughs> Literally full of 3D printers. How many? One, two, five. Wow. <laughs> um, five, six. But I built like things in there. Um, my electricity bill went up a bit. <laughs> Gosh, imagine doing that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so anyway, so essentially my friend at uni said to me, he's got a friend who's a nurse down in London. No, he's got a 3D printer. They haven't got any PPE. Can you print one? And I was like, yeah, okay. After we did that, we were like, hang on, we could replicate this? Yeah. yeah. So I spent the day driving around with him uh, around Manchester. We bought, we bought some plastic and we've printed some facials, but we couldn't find anyone to cut it. Yeah. We went to about 10 to 15 different businesses just driving around during the start of the pandemic, knocking on these people's door and like, hey, can you cut this to this file? Finally, we had one person who said, yeah. So is this the see-through? Yeah, the, the, see, the okay. see-through visors. Yeah. So finally, one person said, yeah. And they said, we'll cut it for you for free if you're giving if you're donating this. And I'm like, obviously, we were. And these are about like 400 face shields that we were testing with. Once it had worked, then we started set up like industrial scale. But th- yeah. that it was a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah. of hard work. I met some really great people and great friends that I've still got now. For it. So, so, that, so that was on the side. And then... Once that came to a close, and this was my final year of university, uh, we were like, okay, really enjoyed that. Let's try something new. So was this, so lockdown was March 2020. Yeah. Was this the year, the academic year after? So, yeah. So we essentially started National 3D Printing Societies, that kind of project, around March, just just literally on the first week of the pandemic. When lockdown started, when yeah. When lockdown started. Um and then it continued until probably October. And when I say continued, it died around like August time. But there was still some things that I had to wrap up um, yeah. in October. So, and we essentially sent them all off to Africa because in the UK, there was other groups doing this across across the UK. There's a few groups doing this, but they were sending those to hospital. But the problem was you can't send your stuff to hospitals because it needs to be CE approved right. yeah. okay. um, and it needs to be checked essentially. So we went through the process of sea approval, um, but we made the decision to send it to Africa because they don't need sea approval and they can use it. Yeah. Um, whereas in the UK, there were a lot of them were getting binned. Yeah. Um, and it was really and it was a waste of material time and it was just kind of sad. Yeah. Um, so we sent it to Africa and we got some great pictures um, of them using it. So it was it was a really cool time. How That's did amazing. You, yeah. How did you get connections out there? So it, honestly, it was a lot of it was like knocking on people's doors so in so the biggest person the, the biggest helper was probably rs components okay um yeah. rs components have just rebranded to rs or electro components rs whatever but little shout out there yep <laughs> <laughs> little plug <Yeah. laughs> we're not sponsored by them yet <laughs> not yet um so 
RS components, yeah. So there's a lady there called Alison. Um, she's been guiding me since. She still sticks to me for my dumb ideas. Um, <laughs> Everyone and, needs one of those. People. Yeah, a bit of a sounding board. Yeah, yeah exactly. Every I spoke to her last night, and I was like, "Yeah, we're doing this and this." And she's like, "Cool." She's always, always terrible, right? She's happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she helped me a lot, and she made some introductions to charities that they work with in Africa. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's also people who reached out to us because they saw what we were doing. Um, but then it was kind of just we kind of just asked like it doesn't hurt to ask there's a story about Autodesk that I can tell you in a bit but for example with DPD we got loads of free deliveries with them because we just asked and we yeah. worked our way up to the CTO and COO of them of DPD and they, and they said yeah cool Igus was another engineering company that offered me their boardroom and their warehouse so there's pictures of me and I dragged my <laughs> sister along packing these yeah. and shipping them out from Igus. Um, we, we just asked, like, and, and if someone says no, cool. Don't ask, don't get. That was great advice. Yeah. Just ask. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've pulled you miles off course. Yeah. So bring us back. Back to Tokyo. Um, so, so at university, so that final year, going back to there, um, we're three of us now trying to start something new. We, we kind of just like the idea of starting a business at this point. It wasn't so much focused on CAD. Um, and essentially we had this, we, we came up with this idea and I may, I remember, I still remember this PowerPoint presentation that I made <laughs> on Canva. I thought it looked great. Um, <laughs> did not look great. We'll find it did somewhere. it have loads of animations? <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was essentially this like five phase plan to build out a lights out manufacturing factory. Um, and for those of you who don't know who lights, what lights out is essentially... Right. <laughs> <laughs> essentially imagine um a, a factory where there's loads of machines and like 3d printers in there and like other like cnc machines whatever but you can turn the lights off and it'll still manufacture and there's robots that come take the beds off and essentially like package right. and do mm-hmm. it. so the idea is someone could upload something on on a website and be sent to them and no human interaction would come across what we quickly realised after months of doing that was we were not the right people to do it. We didn't have a billion pound in the bank. <laughs> we did. We had no idea what we were doing. It was just kind of an idea. But what was really cool from it was we got a chance for three of us to work together, um, yeah. and three of us to work as a team, which I think is really important before you start a new venture. So, at what point did you decide, right, this is not going to work? Was it how far have you got? Yeah, yeah did what? one of you be like? really early on that's not going to work or did was it quite easy you all kind of came to that consensus no we spent months on it yeah <laughs> oh, <okay>. oh no <laughs> we, we spent it was we spent months on it and we kind of was like right we've got these five phases let's break them down phase by phase and we did the first phase so matt our cto at the time he started coding um i started reaching out to people and then he did the business side of things and we're like cool this is going well the first phase is going well business sorted yeah <laughs> exactly millionaires overnight this whole ceo is easy <laughs> so you were re- sorry you were reaching out to people what what were you asking for yeah so we was because we split it into phases our first phase was hey we've got this software that manages your 3d prints so what we did we looked at people who had existing farms of 3d printers and like manufacturing like right we can organize that for you if you've got orders yeah because it tends to happen and we said we'll also do this for schools as well. So that was like our start of education. That's what like hinted us at the CAD thing later down. Yeah. Okay. So we started with schools and we said, hey, you've got loads of kids that uh, want to print some stuff or like use their machines. Here's an ordering system. So obviously they weren't paid, but here's like a system that you can monitor and check. Right. And that was phase one. That's what we started to do. Yeah. Um, 
then it went phase two, phase three, phase four, and eventually, but then after we reached the end of phase one, we were like, we started to realize that there were a lot of people trying to do this already, which isn't a problem, but these people trying to do this had like millions in their bank account, and yeah. they also had like PhD shoot, PhD this, PhD that, PhD this, <laughs> and we looked at each other like, is this really viable? Is this something we can do over the summer? Yeah. Because we wanted to keep it quick, make mistakes quickly and learn from them. But it's definitely something we couldn't make mistakes from because we, A, we had no idea what we were doing, but we had no idea if it would work either. So was there any point where you decided that maybe starting a business wasn't for you? Probably not. No, I, I, never. I think... Never. Never. Like, it's just finding the right size point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the reason I've always wanted to start a business is because I've been scared of getting a real job. <laughs> Nice. Fair enough. <laughs> Just make your own job. Yeah. yeah. Like I I am scared of sitting down in a nine to five, which is why I had to make business work. Yeah. Um, which is probably why I tried so many dumb ideas. Okay. Yeah. It's a good motivation though, isn't it? Yeah. So you, you had this seed of um the education from phase one of the the grand yeah. <laughs> robots. <laughs> change change the world of factories plan. So you shut up that presumably yeah. and lift it out Fabrio as what it is today so it took us about after we realised yeah no this isn't a good plan we took about two to three weeks between us and we were like hang on a second we're missing something really key here let's step back yeah exactly and that's what we did we were like cool we've got this big factory that we want to make but how do people know what to design how do people actually think about design how do people how are people taught that because we haven't got any customers customers for this big factory if no one knows how to design anything. Yeah. Um, and so we, we kind of took that step back and then we realised the extent of the problem. Mm-hmm. We realised that it's really taught really badly at school, taught really badly at university. But if you don't understand this and people can't design, then there's no need for this factory anyway. So we stepped back and we, we looked at this and we kind of explored that and that's how we got onto Fabrio as it is today. Right, okay. Because three, everyone's heard of 3D printing. Yeah. As a, it's kind of one of those engineering things that people that don't know about engineering have heard of and could tell you a bit about. But actually, as a world, in terms of how many people can do it, it's a really small niche group still, isn't it? So that is that what you, you were sort of tapping into? Imagine if everyone could do it. Imagine if school kids could do it. Yeah, I see, I see 3D printing being the future. It's like... With additive manufacturing, what it means is you could put a 3D printer in the middle of the most rural place in the world yeah. and make parts. Because it's distributed. Yeah, and because it doesn't require expensive setup costs depending on the printer you get, but most of the time it can be affordable um, for these small printers. It's Yes, it's plastic, but you can get biodegradable plastic if you, if you um, buy the correct one. And essentially the idea is... Anyone can make anything. Anyone can fix anything with a 3D printer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how why I got into it. Like, obviously, CAD for me isn't, like, the thing I'm 100% passionate about my entire life. Like, I do not sit every morning and be like, I'm going to design this <laughs> yeah, thing. <yeah>. On CAD. <laughs> like, it yeah, is yeah. not there. It's more the education focus and broken, breaking down that education of engineering, which... And I realised, okay, I can't, t- I can't teach um, the angle of attack of a plane because I didn't understand it myself. <laughs> but I can figure out CAD and I can teach this really small part of it. Um, so let me go tackle that first and see what happens. Nice. Yeah, and kind of breaking down the problem into something that you want to tackle and something a bit more manageable. Yeah. So did, did you have any experience of 
teaching or going into schools? Not at all. You didn't have like younger brothers, younger sisters, cousins. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. And how did you find that? How did you find the response when you first went into schools? What was your first? Who were you talking to asking whether they thought... Did they sign on the dotted line straight away? How did we get our first schools? What did I do? I went to my old school. Was that your, is that your part of Fabio? As in getting, getting yeah. schools. Yeah, so, so there's three co-founders that started off. CTO, obviously the guy who sits and code. Um, I didn't learn how to code probably about until six months after we started Fabio. So I was like, okay, we need, to, we need some more help here. Okay. Um, then there's CEO Annie, who does the business side, who does like, like the pitch checks, the raising kind of focus. Yeah. Mine was like, I know I can bore people to death by speaking to them. So, <laughs> so can <and> we. <laughs> so I know I can like speak to people and like have communication with people. It comes kind of naturally. Um, and public speaking is something that I'm like, I haven't had much practice with it, but it's something that I, I'm happy to just go up and stand on stage and talk. So I know I can speak to people. Okay. Um, and that's where my role came in to speak to customers, speak to the early schools and, and get them engaged and see and, and kind of get that initial feedback from them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So your first school. Yes. Would have been, do you remember it? Your old school? Yeah. So my old school was the first school and funnily enough, they used it for about a week and stopped using it. <laughs> so uh, we got, got a lot of feedback from them. We went in and we did that teaching thing with the school physically. Um, yeah. Cause I've seen photos yeah so we we do some workshops here and there um is that running workshops for teachers or kids or either either we can we can do either um we're we're lucky enough to be partnered with autodesk um which is really cool for us so they fund these workshops essentially that's cool Um, they let us go to school so for for example this month i'm going to like 12 schools um all across the country um and it's a way for me to market Fabrio without footing the cost myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really exciting, right? But we're, going back to your, your question about education and teaching people, Yeah. I found it kind of like I was able, because I'm a recent grad, I'm still, I'm still quite young, I think. Very young. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm young. So I was able to relate with these A-level students and be like, I'm just, I'm just here, like, I'm only a few years above you. Yeah. So what I do is every session I go to is, hey, if you've got any questions about university aside from this, ask me if you've got anything you want to know. And that separate, because I wasn't as old as a teacher. I remember saying it one, I was like, I'm not as old as a teacher. And he looked at me in the back. I was like, he's a good, <laughs> yeah. he's a good mate of mine yeah. now, that teacher. But yeah, so it's like, I was able to relate with them and that relatability allowed me to speak to them on like on a level and be like, when you're teaching, it's not that hard. As long as you, are clear on what you're saying and clear is like this is what you need to do this is the next step but also they're engaged with you right so that's the two most important things get them engaged and get and be clear don't don't try and confuse them i think this is so key in terms of quality education yeah. is making sure that what you're teaching is applicable to the audience and that relatability can definitely see it's having positive impact definitely and you've kind of touched on already the sort of longer term plan of having it widely available and some accreditation is there is there any more on top of that or is that the is that what you're working towards at the yeah so accreditation and um getting that certifications for the students is really important mm-hmm. because i think that's accessible to everyone yeah kind of levels the playing field yes it? Uh, like giving that access to education for all no matter where you are yeah yeah not about where you've done it it's about what you've done yeah right? Exactly. And there's also these workshops that you're personally going around the country currently doing. Yeah. There must be, what's your plan there in terms of 
providing that support yeah. globally almost. So that's the thing we're trying to figure out at the moment. So Fabrio is a software as a service, so a SaaS company. Um, what that means is we're hugely scalable. So we, yeah. so at the moment we have 21 schools in Hong Kong um, using Fabrio platform, and I've never met any of these single schools. Yeah. Right? So it means that I can get a school across the world and not have to interact with them. But if I need to interact with them, that's not a problem. But what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. is... I, not that you don't want to. Not that I don't want to, but it's there, right? That they can log on, they can purchase, they can use the content yeah. um, without interaction, without meaning that if a teacher's not skilled, they can just go use it, right? With the UK, what we're testing is we're going to these workshops physically because we're getting funded to do it. And it's good for us right now, but we need to figure out that next step and say, hey, right, so you're going to purchase Fabrio after this workshop. How do I get more schools to purchase Fabrio without me going to the schools in the first place? Yeah, and providing support, not being there in person. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Are there um, like similar businesses, not doing CAD, but with models that you look at and go, okay, that's something we could... Yeah, they're definitely similar ed tech businesses. So ed tech is education technology um, that we look at. But ed tech's a weird thing because it differs subject by subject. Different subjects have different buying powers and different budgets. Um, There is a couple, there's a competitor that we look at within the... Um, CAD space as well he teaches CAD but they don't have any feedback and that's something that I want we looked at them at the very start because it's something you do as a startup you look at your competitors you do the whole SWOT analysis and all all this stuff which people think is a waste of time it's actually really important we looked at them and were like cool the thing we don't like is the fact that they don't give any feedback so that's the thing we want to change and that's like our USB essentially yeah okay nice brilliant so Jay I think now's the time we just talk a bit about yourself and cool. who Jay is as a person. So I have shamelessly stalked your LinkedIn. Which is a good LinkedIn. It is a very strong dark. LinkedIn. <laughs> it is LinkedIn. an impressive LinkedIn. No, yes. very impressed with it. But I think the first question I have is, obviously you did aerospace yep. at, engineer, at university. Um, why aren't you a pilot? Why am I not a pilot? Okay, so I wanted to be a pilot and I wanted to be a pilot in the RAF, but I can't because of my glasses. Oh, oh, that's so annoying. I had like a record of asthma when I was like three or four, and I haven't had an inhaler since. I don't know how to use one, um, but that just completely barred me from being a part in the RAF. I was actually in the RAF um, in the reserves for a little bit as well. Um, when did you have time for that? When, when After that running in? ten businesses, yes. doing your degree. <laughs> you, you, yeah, but I didn't do my degree. <laughs> <laughs> like I did my degree but I did the bare minimum ah, as possible one of those <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what do you mean one of those <laughs> I said like me yeah <laughs> yeah no I, I finished with a strong grade nice uh, I finished with a first very very proud of that oh was, very strong grade <laughs> 71% and that one gets me over the line but the only that's reason that's all you need <laughs> yeah that, the only reason the main reason I put that down to is my dissertation because I picked it on something I knew inside out anyway so what, yeah what was that um, I built a bio 3D printer okay so, so 3D I, printing was your yeah I knew how to build one anyway and it was like easy but yeah going back to a pilot would be I would be in the RAF but I wouldn't be a commercial pilot because I would get bored completely fair enough I'm going to let Ellie ask about your shed okay so tell us about your shed um, how, how do you know a, about my shed <laughs> <a strong> appe- <laughs> it makes a strong appearance on your LinkedIn full of 3D printers 
Yes, my shed after uni. Essentially, we were very worried about getting an office. And we were like, oh, we need an office, we need an office. And then quickly realized we don't need an office. We can work from home. Um, so I moved in with my dad after uni um, because he had a shed at the back. When I say a <laughs> shed, it's, he had his like bit inside the shed, which was like heating, like laminate floor, and <laughs> sky TV. He had like a chair that could lie all the way back, um, his big desk and like basically a kitchen in there as well. Then you shut the door and inside the shed you've got like wooden floor, dust, all the tools and that's where I sat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's where my 3D printers at the back. Eventually I convinced my dad to get some paint on the floor so it wasn't as dusty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still remember when I was tinkering or like working from there on, like, I'd fall asleep on the carpet on the floor because it got really hot in there because we had the heaters. So there was like, I had a piece of little strip. It wasn't like the entire carpet. It was like a strip of carpet just yeah. for me. Like a roll mat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a roll mat. So yeah, that, that's my shed. And that's where we started. We built Fabio from. Um, anyone who speaks to me now um, will see it in the back of my loom videos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen it. Um, I was going to ask about um, your societies. Great degree score made a business, but also Technical Theatre Society. I want to know what that is. And British Asian and Hindu Society. Were you very involved or was it just for the LinkedIn? Uh, okay, so the, the Technical Theatre one, yeah, I was actually quite involved in it in my foundation year. Okay. Um, and essentially, because I went from, at school I was doing like the mics and the, the cameras and like the, the stage kind of like lighting for theatre and stuff. Nice. So very when I went cool. to university, I was like, oh, I want to see, see what it's about. I did it for my first year at my at uni, really enjoyed it. Then I did I was on the committee the next year. But I kind of, I, I was a social sec, but I wasn't very social. <laughs> so it didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> it was CNC social, <laughs> 3D printing. <laughs> so it, it, but I still kind of stayed involved with it after. And I've still got a, a key to the shed, which we use over there as well. So yeah, there's another, another shed. There's, there's a yeah. theme here. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really like that. The Hindu sock one. Um, I dressed up in a sari on the first day for that one, which is like their icebreaker they did. Okay. Um, but after that, I didn't do much with them. Fair enough. A day one. We've, we all signed up to too much. Yeah, we do. yeah, I still get the emails from Freshers Fair first yeah. year. Um, brilliant. I think that's all. I think that's all. Thank you so much for being our first ever guest. Thank you, Jay. No, it was really cool. We throw you in at the deep end here. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. And stay in touch with the show. Definitely excited to hear you have on next. Well, what a lovely chat. Brilliant. What a nice guy. Really nice guy. Um, What was your main takeaway, Ellie? I think, firstly, that Jay's very brave coming on our first ever podcast. (laughs) Definitely. um, And handled us really well. Um, And secondly, would be... Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And one of the best ways to learn is by making mistakes and learning from them. How about you, Albie? Um, my big one would be what you said about just ask if um, if you think there's an opportunity for you to sort of make a relationship with someone. Um, don't be afraid to pick up the phone, knock on doors, drive around Manchester. Um, so that's what I'll be taking forward <laughs> in my life. Um that is pretty much all we've got time for, apart from some housekeeping. Very, very important housekeeping that we forgot last time. What is the podcast name? Degrees of Freedom. Degrees of Freedom, yes. Where can you listen? The big three, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the one no one's heard of called Anchor, spelled like the thing you drop off a boat. 
Perfect. And how can... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Come on. Right, I'll ask myself. How can you get in touch with the show? Uh, there's two ways here. You can either email, that's in the bio, or um, preferably follow EWB underscore Bristol on Instagram and DM us there. Yeah, give us a message if you have any tips, any questions, or any suggestions for who you want to hear next on the podcast. So when can you hear from us next? Um, two weeks time, 14 days. Get we will excited. be back. We will be back. Lovely. Thank you very much. Let's go. Bye. Bye. Bye.